The Pac-12 is full of highlight reel incoming freshmen and solid transfer portal additions, and we're going to draft the 10 best newcomers into the Conference of Champions on today's Locked On College Basketball. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, thrilled to be joined today, as always, by our regular guest, Leaf Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board. We're going to continue a series that we started last week, I think on Friday's episode with Matt St. Jean, talking about the 10 best newcomers in the Big East Conference. Today, we are going to do the same thing, but with the Pac-12 Conference. It is going to be a draft between Leaf and I talking about drafting the 10 best newcomers, and we're kind of leaving that open-ended in terms of what that means, whether we're talking new best newcomers in terms of immediate impact, overall impact, team fit, all of that good stuff. Of course, the Pac-12 has a ton of very talented players coming into the conference, perhaps more incoming freshman talent than most of the other major conferences outside of maybe the SEC, which is very front-loaded with Kentucky talent, uh, and the ACC with a lot of Duke talent as well. But the Pac-12 has got a lot of good freshmen coming in, a lot of good transfers coming in, and I'm excited to to get an opportunity to talk through the 10 biggest additions, and then we're going to kind of close out the show talking about uh, some guys who just missed the cut, some teams that we thought did particularly well, or maybe some teams that, that maybe didn't do so well this offseason. Leaf, as the guest, I am going to defer to you and let you pick who you think is the most impactful newcomer coming into the Pac-12 conference for the upcoming college basketball season. I, I love a draft. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I'll, uh, I'll take Isaiah Collier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think that's the favorite for Pac-12 newcomer of the year, and, yeah. and it'll be freshman of the year, um, and newcomer will likely be a transfer. But to me, he's the most likely to have an enormous impact. But also, if you're just drafting on pure talent, why not take a guy who's largely seen as a top 10 pick in the NBA draft and someone that I'm not sure will have the keys per se to USC because Boogie Ellis is still there, Mm -hmm. but someone that because of the way they were able to recruit him will likely have a huge role in an offense for a team that should be good. Um, I mean, if you just pull up Tankathon and look Mm -hmm. at a mock draft right now, Boogie Ellis, yeah, sorry, excuse me. Boogie Ellis is the guy I think will lead them in scoring, mm-hmm. but the guy that is supposed to be uh, the the NBA's guy is Isaiah Collier. Mm-hmm. He's number six to the Spurs in the random mock draft that I look, looked up that's updated as of yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a top 10 talent. You can't go too wrong there. I, there was another player that I'm not going to say that I considered here, and I'm hoping to get him with my next pick. Yeah, Collier was, was kind of a, a top two guy for me. If he didn't go one, I, he was going to go number two. Uh, also, and wow, if he were to go to the Spurs, Collier and Wemby, wow, that would be a tremendous rebuild uh, for that San Antonio team. Um, I'm going to avoid going with another freshman, although there is an incoming player that I, there's two actually incoming freshmen that I think you could capably take right here. But I'm going to go 
with one of the more polarizing players in college basketball and in, in a situation that I think is really going to help him uh, kind of be the, a better version of the basketball player that he was at North Carolina. That's, of course, a guard Caleb Love, guy who averaged 16 points per game last year for the Tar Heels. But it seemed like the backcourt duo of him and R.J. Davis just never quite figured out how to gel perfectly, uh, even with a dominant frontcourt player like Armando Baycott. And now he gets into a situation at Arizona where they're also going to have a, a dominant low post threat at Umar Balo. But I think that the guard room is a little bit more suited to his skill set. And beyond that, I think mostly the, the up-tempo offense, I think, is really going to help Caleb Love thrive. The three-point shooting was really inconsistent last year. That's going to be a huge part. If he comes out and shoots 29% again, that's going to be really frustrating for Arizona fans and Tommy Lloyd. But if he can be a little bit more efficient of a shooter and do more damage out in transition, I think Caleb Love could be one of the best guards in the entire Pac-12 and a strong candidate to win that newcomer of the year if it doesn't go to a freshman. Yeah, I, I think he's the guy with the most upside specifically for scoring. Mm-hmm. I'm anti-Caleb Love in terms <laughs> of winning. Yeah. Um, but Arizona, run and gun, get the ball into the hands of scorers with the the, the just ability mm-hmm. to shoot the ball like he has. He didn't shoot a good percentage, but boy, can he shoot. Yeah. <laughs> now with the confidence instilled in him by Tommy Lloyd, I think there's a good chance he's an all pack 12 performer, mm-hmm. but he's definitely someone that if I were drafting on who I think will be the most impactful to a team, mm-hmm. he's lower for me because I think there's other ways you can replace sure. that type of scoring. But I, but I understand the rationale. Mm-hmm. Um, my next pick, I'm going with another freshman mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with a day Mara. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know less about a day Mara than I do Collier, mm-hmm. but, when you are, despite being from Spain, so this is an easier comparison to draw, compared mm-hmm. to Pau Gasol, mm-hmm. and you're seven foot three and considered to have phenomenal touch, but the rim protection yeah. that is light years past the Gasol brothers, um, as reports describe, obviously those are lofty comparisons for both Pau and Mark Gasol. Yeah. But I, uh, I can't pass that if I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I know we're not really drafting a team, but if I'm drafting for talent, mm-hmm. I'm going to take that very easily. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's maybe a better college player mm-hmm. or NBA player than Collier. Um, mm-hmm. I just think Collier is more easy to envision fitting into college basketball sooner. Well, at the risk of not letting you get the three premier freshmen, especially since they all play different positions, I'll go ahead and go with my first freshman here and my the fourth overall pick here in the draft, and I'm going to go with Cody Williams joining Cad Boyle and Colorado, the number seven ranked prospect in the class of 2023. Again, Collier is ranked number one. Uh, Mara, they didn't really rank him because they don't rank international prospects uh, as they don't usually rank them alongside the domestic prospects, but Mara is a guy who's expected to go very high in the draft. And so is Williams, a guy that we've seen in that lottery conversation a handful of times already. The younger brother of Jalen Williams, who, of course, popped off at Santa Clara, was a lottery pick in the NBA a couple of years ago and is now one of the kind of breakout young stars in the NBA. They're hoping Cody can do kind of the same stuff, six foot eight, kind of a stretch four, three type player. And I think you look at what Colorado's bringing back with Tristan De- Tristan De Silva in particular coming back. I think that this is a team that could, could really make some noise in the Pac-12, and Williams is going to be a big part of it for that Colorado squad. Yeah, he would have been my next pick, so <laughs> so you, you did prevent me. But there is another freshman that I think is intriguing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not certain this would be my pick. I'd have to uh, evaluate my board. And mm-hmm. in fact, I'm going to go with an intangibles player, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to go with a guy that is very well regarded, but not very well known. Mm-hmm. So for those who really know college basketball, Paul Mulcahy is a household yeah. name. Yeah. Paul Mulcahy transferring to Washington was not something that was enormously well known. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a guy who's been an honorable mention and a guy who's been a, a defensive stalwart for a team like Rutgers, who's been defensively phenomenal, um, is a really underrated addition to the Pac-12. And so he will be my pick here, kind of rounding out my my duo of guards. You got a scorer and Collier, and now you've got your your glue guy mm-hmm. that in terms of what he, he'll actually do for Washington is more than just be a glue guy, but he's a glue guy extraordinaire. And I think at Washington will have more freedom than at Rutgers to score the basketball. Well, we got five players down and five more to go as we look at some of the best newcomers joining the final year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Before we get to those final five players, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And let's be honest, adding the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day and shout out those everyday listeners checking out the show on YouTube. It is very much appreciated. We got one more fun show coming your way on Friday and soon, very, very soon, folks, we are going to start our conference preview series going through every single conference in college basketball, talking about the newcomers in those conferences, doing stuff similar to what we're doing today and kind of getting you all primed and ready for that first college basketball game of the season coming up in early November. For now, though, Leaf and I are going to continue our draft discussing the 10 best newcomers in the Pac-12 conference ahead of the 2023-24 college basketball season. We saw Isaiah Collier, Caleb Love, Ade Mara, Cody Williams, and Paul Mulcahy go in the first five picks there. Now at number six, I'm looking at a handful of freshmen that I still really like coming in, but I think I'm going to actually go with another guard at Arizona. And I'm a little, I'm still not quite sure how the fit is going to work at Tommy Lloyd's team with Caleb Love, with returner Keelan Boswell, and with Jaden Bradley, who's who I'm taking here, coming over from Alabama. Bradley was a guy who averaged over three assists per game last year at Alabama, despite not playing huge minutes. He started for a good chunk of the season, eventually ceded that starting spot to Javon Quinterly down the stretch. 
a guy who's got three years of eligibility left. So again, if you're looking at this as a potential long-term play for Arizona, he's a guy who could be in that system for a couple of years if he doesn't go pro. Six foot three, bigger point guard, I think's got a lot of skill set that should really uh, acclimate well to Tommy Lloyd's offense. Again, we have to see how it's going to shake out with him and Love and Boswell. But I think that there's a way for Tommy to mix and match those three guys and really get the most out of all of them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Bradley be a guy who maybe not in year one necessarily, but is somebody who contends to be an all pack 12 performer uh, before his career is over. Yeah. I think Bradley was a guy that I, I would have targeted. I, I have a little more tempered expectation just because you know, loves a flamethrower mm-hmm. and Boswell's yeah. expected to be the, the breakout in the conference um, or comparatively to what sure. he was the year before. Um, so that leaves me with a couple options here. And I, I've i got a couple different trains of thoughts here. One would be, do I take another guy that, in terms of if I were drafting a roster, positionally mm-hmm. makes sense. The other would not make positional sense, and he's, but he's an established player, good player. Mm-hmm. And then there's another freshman that I'm curious about. I'll go with potential. I'm going to go with Kwame Evans mm-hmm. from Oregon. And I... I think that Oregon is a weird team this year. Like there's always been Dana Altman teams that don't necessarily on paper make sense. And he makes them tick and they they're athletic and they play relatively positionless basketball with the exception of the years with Peyton Pritchard Mm -hmm. and where they, you know, they had guards that could handle the ball. They had wings that could handle the ball. They get in transition based off pressure. I think they will be one of those type of teams. I just don't think they have the normal talent level that those Oregon teams had. So I think there's a chance that Evans has the ball in his hands more than a typical wing freshman has. And that's good. That also leads me to believe there's a capacity for underwhelming in terms of statistical and field goal percentage. Like if you look at it in terms of a box score, he may underwhelm, but I think talent wise, he's too good to pass here at the seventh overall pick. I was planning to take Evans and had I known you were going to take him, I probably wouldn't have taken Bradley there. I think that's a, a really solid pick, a guy who, you know, Dana's had some some inconsistencies in terms of how he's developed five-star prospects. Some of those guys have turned out very good. Some of them have flamed out a little bit, but he's got three really good ones coming in this year and, and Evans being the kind of the, the cream of the crop out of that group. Uh, I'm going to stay away from freshmen again, though. There are a handful of other ones, not just the Oregon guys, but a few other guys, too, that I'm I'm looking at as as freshmen. But I'm going to go with the transfer at a school that uh, isn't really expected to do a whole lot, but it's probably going to be quite a bit better than they were last year, mostly because they were one of the worst teams in Division I college basketball all of last year. That's Cal, and that would be incoming guard Jalen Tyson coming over from Texas Tech. A guy who averaged 11 points, six boards last year. He shot just over 40% from three. He kind of came alongside Dawes Amac, another transfer who may come up later in this conversation, uh, came over from Texas Tech as well. And Tyson's a guy who uh, spent one year at Texas, only played eight games at Texas before going to Texas Tech, had that really solid season there at Tech, and now comes over to Cal with a couple years left. Again, Cal might triple their win total, and they're still not going to be remotely relevant because they were that bad last year. But I really like the the first offseason that we've seen from Mark Madsen coming over from Utah Valley, and I think Tyson is, is among the – 
five or six pretty marquee transfers or at least solid transfers that this team has brought in. I think Tyson's the guy who might have the most upside and he might be the guy who's who's even the best player for him starting in year one. And I think him alongside Devin Askew and, and one of the other transfers that they brought in, Jalen Cohn, I think makes a solid backcourt. And I think Tyson's the guy who, who could really play well for this team out on the wing. Yeah, Mark Madsen did a phenomenal job, which I'm not thrilled about being a Stanford fan. But um, <laughs> and and for those of you who don't know, Mark Madsen was a Stanford player. Mm-hmm. But um, I actually forgot about Jalen Tyson. I wrote in my notes Jalen slash Cone, and uh, it covered both of them, but I forgot. And so that is a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that pick, but I, I would say that there's a chance that despite Cal being bad, they're going to be so egalitarian mm-hmm. that it maybe diminishes what he could do. True, I, I yeah. think he could be awesome if he, if he was on as bad a Cal team as they were last year and he was mm-hmm. just given the featured role. Now I think Askew is kind of ball dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Cohn's a like fly off a pin down, shoot the heck out of the ball type mm-hmm. of guy whose numbers will be toned down after being at Northern Arizona. He's not going to get the same sure. volume as he did there, but he was good at Virginia Tech. And then Amac is a double double guy, but he's a little—he's not what he was with some foot injuries and stuff like that. So you could have chosen any of them. I think you chose the correct one. I just wonder if his actual output sure. will be marred because of the fact they brought all the others in. Uh, that brings me to my fifth pick of of these guys, and I do have a center, I do have power forward, I do have a two guard, and I do have a one. So that leaves me small forward, but but who I actually want to take as a center, I'm taking Eddie Lampkin. Yeah, I I love Eddie. Mm-hmm. Eddie is one of my favorite players in college basketball. I was there when he played against Arizona and scored 20 and 10 against Coloco and the crowd, including myself and my buddy who were actually in the Arizona section, were chanting Eddie, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie. Then I was in Denver and he wasn't on the team with TCU anymore. And you could just see TCU didn't have the same love for basketball. Yeah. His joy is infectious. We talked about Tristan Da Silva. Uh, you talked about Cody Williams. KJ Simpson's still there. I think this Colorado team has a chance to win the Pac-12. People don't really know that unless you, if you, unless you really closely follow college basketball. But I think it, I think UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. There's not much differentiating them, both from roster talent, which is crazy to say, and just like returning capacity. So that that's really interesting to me. So I'll go with Eddie Lampkin. Um, and, and I have a few small forwards I have listed here that I would take if I were to go positionally, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's the guy you have to take in terms of returning value. Lampkin was 100% going to be my final pick, and now you have kind of put me in a, in a spot where I'm scrambling to figure out who I want to take here. I think that's a great pick. I'm excited about what Lampkin is going to be able to do at Colorado uh, next season. I think he's going to be a really, really good fit with, with that team. Uh, so looking ahead, if I were going positionally, I probably would go with AMAC because I don't really have a center on my roster. But if I'm just thinking overall, uh, I'm debating between two guys right now. And I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the, another freshman. I'm going to go with Mookie Cook at Oregon, a guy who's who's fallen down the rankings a little bit. In fact, at 24-7 Sports, there are two other incoming freshmen who are ranked higher than him. One of them is one of his teammates uh, in Jackson Shellstad at Oregon. The other one is Andre Stoyakovich at Stanford. We'll talk about those guys a little bit later, but I think Cook's just overall athleticism, his length, his size, his frame. I think there's a lot of upside and maybe he's not that guy in year one. 
And maybe I kind of made a, a comment earlier about Dana's inconsistency developing freshmen. And maybe there's a situation where if, if things don't go right, that there is a situation where he's not at Oregon after a year or the development stalls a little bit. But the upside in my mind, having seen highlights of Mookie Cook, seen what he did in high school, um, just reading the, the profiles on him, the upside to me is really, really high. As high as almost any of the freshmen outside of those top three that we talked about that are coming into the Pac-12. And so for me, while AMAC, AMAC is certainly a safer pick in terms of immediate production next season, uh, and and Shellstad and Stoyakovich are considered, barely considered higher ranked prospects right now, I think the upside for Cook is enough for me to want to take him here to close out this portion of the draft. Yeah, I, I think if I were going positionally, I would have taken Andre Stoyakovich. Mm-hmm. Um but I just couldn't resist taking Eddie. Uh, mm-hmm. One thought about Mookie Cook is I think part of the reason that Oregon gets and Dana Altman gets a tough reputation mm-hmm. in terms of his inconsistency with freshmen is mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have misevaluated the freshmen to being higher rated mm-hmm. than what they what their skill level dictates in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like Kalel Ware, if we did this exercise last year, no mm-hmm. one is taking anyone but Kalel Ware one. <laughs> And, and that and that includes me. And I didn't like Kalel Ware as a prospect mm-hmm. coming in. And I'm on the record saying that on NBA Big Board, I, I was significantly lower than than most people on Kalel Ware coming in last year. But he was the pick. So mm-hmm. the 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 reason he was an appealing pick then is because he stretches the floor and he can potentially rim protect. But on the team he played for in terms of Oregon, it didn't make sense because Enfali Dante was playing the five. They had Nate Biddle, another seven footer yeah. playing inside and he was playing zone. So all of what he does well gets minimized. So I think part of that was just scheme and the recruit. And then you get guys like Dylan Brooks and Pritchards who stay longer and, and are great NBA players right. considering what they were coming into uh, college. So I, mm-hmm. so I think Altman, it gets a tough rap for highly recruited players, but he's, mm-hmm. he's very good at developing. So I think a guy like Mookie Cook actually should probably – thrive in that system whether it's year one year two right well and i, and I think uh yeah this is the this is a big year for dana because got three top 30 prospects coming in so if if all three of them bust then you're gonna have some serious issues but if you can get a couple of those guys to really become uh, close to the best versions of who they're capable of being even if it doesn't all happen in year one it still sets them up for a, a couple of solid seasons uh, especially as they transition into the big 10 well leaf who did we miss? Which teams seem to have benefited the most? And maybe which teams seem to have benefited the least from this exercise? There's some pretty good teams, even a, a Pac-12 team that made the tournament last year that didn't get a whole lot of love in this exercise. We're going to cover all of that coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three here. Still Andy Patton, still locked on college basketball, still joined by Leaf Tulin, And we are still discussing the newcomers into the Pac-12 conference. We each just conducted a five-person draft looking at our favorite or the most who we perceive to be the most impactful incoming players joining the Pac-12 conference for next season. Uh, but what I want to do now, and we've already talked about a handful of these guys, but I just kind of want to talk about a few players. So I had a list of 20. So there's 10 guys on my list who we did not select in this exercise. Leaf, I know you had a list of guys as well. And we talked about a few of them, but who are some guys who maybe you think are right on the edge of this, or maybe like a year or two from now, if we were to look back on this exercise, we might think, wow, it's pretty crazy that we didn't talk about so-and-so when discussing the new guys coming into that conference. See, I think impact is an interesting way to categorize this because there are some 
players with far better chances to succeed just based off opportunity mm-hmm. initially. And then if they were to stay another year, I think that this could be viewed very differently. Right. Uh, I'll go with, I'll go with one guy here and brief uh, that I think is going to have a great chance to impact immediately because he's a mm-hmm. graduate transfer. I'm going to go with Jared Bynum yep. coming to Stanford from Providence. Bynum was previously the Big East uh, sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. He's a double-digit scorer for a Providence team that's made the tournament in the in recent years. They were an 11 seed this past year, and the year prior also made the tournament um, as a four seed. And, and he was an integral factor for Ed Cooley, and that's a tough, hard-nosed guy. He's going to Jared Haas at Stanford. And I mm-hmm. think he'll have a chance to impact more immediately in terms of winning basketball than will his, his compatriots in the backcourt in mm-hmm. Andre Stojakovic and Cannon Carlisle, both of whom I've got high hopes for, as I mentioned, I'm a Stanford fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got high hopes for both those freshmen, but I think the the one who has the largest chance to contribute would be Ken, uh, would be Jared Bynum just because mm-hmm. he's going to be thrust into the point guard role and he's going to be the leading veteran, someone who I expect to score about 12, 13 points a game and push Stanford to have a chance to make the tournament. I'm not going to say they will, mm-hmm. but this is the best team that they've had yeah. since Haas has been there, and it's been now eight years, mm-hmm. and they haven't made a tournament, so time is ticking. Yeah, and there's a lot of grad transfers that we – I mean, there's a few that we talked about and a few that we we didn't mention. We did talk about AMAC, of course, being one who I think is – assuming health is a pretty safe bet to be a productive player for Cal. I think there's almost – among the players here, he's probably one of the safest, but again, that does include health, which is a, a concern for him. Uh, you mentioned Bynum. He was on my list as well. Uh, we, we talked about Jalen Cohn a little bit already, but there's a few other grad transfers that I wanted to mention too. And, and one of them is Kashad Johnson coming over to Arizona from San Diego State. And uh, he's a guy who's probably not going to like light up the, the back of the basketball card stats. You know, he's maybe not going to be a big fantasy guy if you were into that kind of thing because he's not a big scorer, but he's a, a hard-nosed player. And really, the thing I like about Kishad is that I think he fits what Arizona needed really well. They kind of needed a four to play alongside Balo. They already had all the guards. They have Pella Larson who can fill that wing role, and they just needed, like, a, a tough-nosed defensive player to throw at that four spot uh, who doesn't need the ball in his hands much and doesn't take a lot of touches. And I really felt like they got kind of exactly the guy that they needed in Johnson. So he kind of stood out to me uh, as a player that could have been in this conversation, but I kind of understand why he wasn't. And then there's the, then there's Severe Wheeler. And we, we talked about Mulcahy, uh, and I think the backcourt combination of Mulcahy and Wheeler is – uh, we'll go with odd to say the least. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. I do think that Mulcahy being given more freedom is going to be good for him. And it should in theory be good for Wheeler as well. Who's a fantastic distributor. I'm curious what his defense is going to look like as a, as a smaller guard in that zone defense. Uh, but of course, a guy who, you know, started at Kentucky. So anytime you have a player of that caliber, even if he, you know, maybe wasn't the most productive starter at Kentucky, he's still a guy who I think, uh, is is going to do some good things for Washington, although I, I'm curious how consistent he will be. Yeah, I think that will be a very odd backcourt considering I think Mulcahy's best with the ball in his hands. He's just mm-hmm. such a utility guy. Um, yeah. As for Kashad Johnson, mm-hmm. I entirely like based what I did in terms of this preparation for today's podcast is like, I'm going to take him with my last pick. And then I still had a chance to play, take a power forward. If I decided to play Evans at the three, mm-hmm. that would have been a little bit of a stretch, but yeah. then I just had to get Eddie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad you took him. Uh, mm-hmm. He's fully deserving. I, I think in terms of impact, especially for a winning basketball team, which is the important part of this, in my opinion, mm-hmm. he's going to be top 10 
Yeah. Like if we were to base this not off talent level, just on winning mm-hmm. like intangibles and production and, and that is weighted by winning, he's a hundred percent going to be a top 10 guy. Yeah. Uh, one guy that's going to have a chance to really impact his team in a positive way would be a freshman or, or, I guess freshman, but international player Jan Vida mm-hmm. for uh, for UCLA. Yeah. I think he's going to be a starting point guard, and that's been a spot that has been manned and occupied well by Tiger Campbell for <laughs> years. So now, if you're getting that spot, that means you're going to have a chance to impact the team. It may not look as good as crisp as when Tiger Campbell, Jaime Hawkins, mm-hmm. Jalen Clark, and all those guys were there. A lot of focus going to be on a Dem Bonas growth. I took a day morrow with the second pick as someone mm-hmm. who could be a top ten NBA pick. Mm-hmm. But I think Jan Vita holds the keys to a team that could be the best in the Pac-12. So the, he's got he's got to be on in this discussion. Yeah, the funny thing is there's two other international freshmen at UCLA that could in theory be in this conversation as well. And uh, Elaine Fibliel from France and Burke B. I'm not going to attempt yeah, to pronounce Burke's one. last name uh, coming over from Turkey. And it's, you know, I'm not exactly sure what their role is going to look like in year one. But I think both those guys, Mick Cronin's got a really strong reputation with those international players in between Mara and Vide and these two guys, I think. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of different ways things could go at UCLA next season with that amount of talent coming in. But uh, what I want to do now, Leaf, is just kind of talk about out of this group, out of the 10 players that we selected, and of course the other guys that we ended up talking about, like which teams do you feel like this seemed to really benefit? Because there's a lot of UCLA players on here, but UCLA also lost a ton of talent from last year's roster. So they had to bring in more guys and you look at Arizona and they kind of filled holes in the ways that they kind of needed to, but are there other teams that, that maybe stand out to you of like, this is a team that really did a good job of bringing in uh, a lot of talent or the right talent or the right pieces to, to help their team be improved for next season. The first one for me is Colorado Mm -hmm. Uh, because Cody Williams, while he's higher projected than his brother, Mm -hmm. Uh, he likely will not be as good of a player. Just That's just mm-hmm. the likelihood. But now you're adding to Colorado, a team that, that's consistently overperformed throughout the years under Tad Boyle, mm-hmm. premier talent. Yeah. And this is the first time he's had premier talent ever. And you can make an argument, oh, he had Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, mm-hmm. McKinley Wright, no. Mm-hmm. like McKinley Wright was really, really good, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a premier talent coming in. Right. Um, so he's got premier talent. He's got a guy in KJ Simpson who can score the ball. He's got Tristan De Silva, who I think if he'd stayed in the draft would have been taken in the top 40. And you bring in Eddie Lampkin. Yeah. So to me, I think that's two additions to an already solid core. Mm-hmm. And you put yourself into the upper echelon of the conference, make yourself a lock for the tournament, in my opinion, and a likely, I won't say like full all year top 25 team, but mm-hmm. I also wouldn't be surprised if every single rendition of the rankings features the Colorado Buffaloes. I think too. I, I wanted to mention Cal. Of course, Cal's a team that that had the the most improvements to make because their roster was just not good last year. But we already kind of touched on on the the job that Madsen has done, and and then I think USC gets thrown out there as well with Collier. We didn't we didn't talk about Bronny because of course. Ronnie's situation right now is very tenuous and in terms of how much basketball he is going to play I know my co-host Isaac Shea talked about Bronny on a recent episode and uh, there is some silver lining it does sound like things are going to be okay for Bronny and they figured out the the issue for him but uh, you know it's a little hard to know where he's going to fit in and and USC also brought in DJ Rodman we didn't count him because he was coming over from Washington State but I think that's 
a good addition for them. And and then kind of on the flip side, Leaf, to kind of close out the show here, some some teams that maybe didn't make a whole lot of improvements. And I, I alluded to a, a team that made the tournament last year, uh, and that would be Arizona State. And Arizona State had a pretty rough offseason. I mean, if we're being honest, they lost a ton of talent. They lost the Cambridges. One of them uh, ran out of eligibility. One of them transferred to Texas Tech in Devon. Uh, they lost a handful of other guys in the transfer portal as well. They brought in some guys that I think are are fine. Uh, I, I don't mind Zane Meeks coming over from San Francisco. I think he's a solid piece and he'll be a good rotation player for them. Kamari Lands is a nice player as well, but it was a pretty rough offseason for, for Bobby Hurley's team. And, and I think, uh, you know, and then you have Oregon State who just didn't do anything. Like they added one freshman and lost three players in the transfer portal. So, you know, not a team that you're exactly expecting a whole lot from. But when you compare them to Cal, who was also at the bottom of the conference and actually took significant strides forward, it kind of stands out uh, a little bit to me that, that those are programs that really didn't seem to do a whole lot to help their program get a whole lot better next season. Yeah, I think the the losers in this type of situation mm-hmm. are, are definitely the two you mentioned. I think mm-hmm. Arizona state stands out because they have aspirations. They yeah. were, I was at the game. They were the better team against TCU <laughs> um, and, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a team that beat Nevada mm-hmm. and beat them like a drum, honestly. Yeah. Um, and that's a tournament win. I know it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was the first four, but it's still a tournament win and they mm-hmm. should have had another one against TCU. And now your team regresses. Yeah. I, th- I think they overperformed at the end of the year because they got good defensively and they were a team that shot bad shots and made bad shots (laughs) consistently enough to have a chance to beat TCU and then their length and defensive ability like Gaffney would took strides forwards Uh, Luther Muhammad was was good at the end of the year Uh, Horn these are guys that I don't think you can count on enormously and also they lose some of them Mm -hmm. Um, so that's that's to me the big loser I'd also just just to show how well the Pac-12 did in the transfer era Mm -hmm. I, I really think that Stanford even Utah and certainly Cal, three mm-hmm. of the four teams that that were bottom dwellers along with Washington State and Oregon State, mm-hmm. took significant strides forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, Utah lost Lazar Stefanovic, which is a big, mm-hmm. big loss. They brought in Lawson Lovering. They brought in uh, uh, other guards to, to mm-hmm. man the point guard spot, which was sorely lacking. Or mm-hmm. Raleigh Wooster was playing kind of both the one and the two. And, and I think that when you when you consider that, the top we, we talked about Colorado, USC, UCLA, and Arizona mm-hmm. as all being winners. Oregon has three top 30 guys. <laughs> and and now you got three of the bottom dwellers of this past mm-hmm. year have made significant strides forward. We talked about Washington bringing back a Kentucky point guard. Yeah. Even though I don't like Severe Wheeler, I've said mm-hmm. this on here before. I, I, I think he's horribly overrated. Mm-hmm. That's still a good addition to a team. Yeah. Um, then you add in terms of Washington. They, uh, also, mm-hmm. we love Moses Wood. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about him. Yeah, I love phenomenal Moses. shooter mm-hmm. uh, from the WCC is at Portland. Mm-hmm. Every time I've watched him play, mm-hmm. he has not missed. Yeah, and dude, I'm not really even good. kidding. <laughs> like has not missed. Mm-hmm. And so then you bring in him, Mulcahy and Wheeler. That's mm-hmm. the stride up. So I, I feel like the two left in the dust are Oregon State and Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, and Washington State, they lost a lot of talent. TJ Bomba is a really tough loss for them. Uh, to be out the door. Mogi, of course, gets drafted. That's a tough loss for them. DJ Rodman. Uh, they did add Joseph Yasufu from K- Kansas. I think that's an interesting, maybe more of a long-term ad for them, but still. He might, least... he might lead the conference in scoring. Yeah, he's a really talented young man. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for them. But that was a lot of talent out the door for the Cougars. Uh, Leaf, this was so much fun. I'm really excited to get a chance to do some more of these. Hopefully we can have you back on to do uh, the, the other power conferences that we haven't done yet. We did Big East on Friday. Now, of course, got Pac-12. This will be a real fun exercise to look at the Big 12 and and Big 10 and SEC and all those fun 
conferences as well. So thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much, folks, for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Do us a favor and go hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you have not done so yet. We are very close to 1,500 subscribers. We'd love to get there not only before the start of the college basketball season, but I bet we can get there before the start of October. So, again, if you haven't done so, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On College Basketball, hit that big red subscribe button. More fun stuff coming your way on Friday, and then we'll get into those conference preview series next week as well. Thanks again. Have a great day. And as always, peace out.